0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. My name is Mike Brown. Thank you so much for listening in, as always. On today's show, I am joined by Daniel Garcia. Daniel is one of the hosts of the All Angels podcast, the Great Angels podcast. On this show, we talk about the latest uh, developments in uh, MLB in terms of getting back to baseball. Uh, We talk about the... Uh, stance of the players and the stance of the owners. We talk about the universal DH. We talk about uh, the possible realignment of the divisions and what that means for certain teams, uh, especially the Angels, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, without further, further delay, I'd like to get into my interview with Daniel Garcia. Enjoy. I am now joined by Daniel Garcia. Daniel is the host of the All Angels podcast. Daniel, how's it going today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. So since the last time we talked, um, you know, a lot is a lot has stayed the same and and, and a lot has changed, to be fair. Um, But what's the latest with you uh, in terms of quarantine and in terms of kind of like getting your baseball fix like in the last kind of month or so?
1: You know, as far as a uh, baseball fix, it's kind of the same thing as before. You know, obviously uh, playing MLB The Show, watching some old games on, um, you know, Fox Sports West out here in California. Uh, and then, yeah, some of the KBO action, if I can if I can make it that, that late. But other than that, for like personally, you know, the golf courses where I'm at, I've opened up and they've been open up for about a month now. So I find myself getting out there a lot more during the weekends just to kind of get out of the house and list get into some kind of fresh air more and more. So, you know, the combination of the two as far as the weekends go, that's kind of how I'm passing the time.
0: Yeah, it's 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 tough. You know, I, I tried watching some of those KBO games kind of like the first week or so uh on Twitch because I believe KBO is like streaming all the games for free on, on Twitch across like a few different Twitch channels. But it's like the level of play is just like not the same. Right. Um, you yeah. know, it's it's fun to watch, but it's funny because uh, I think Dan Straley, uh, former A's pitcher, and I think he was on the Cubs for a while, too, but he's on one of the uh, the teams in the KBO. And I was watching like a couple innings that he was pitching and he was just mowing guys down. He was like, <laughs> he struck out. He struck out like four guys in a row. It's just like, man, like these like kind of um, these kind of fringy MLB players now that that can kind of go over there and kind of dominate um, it's, it's pretty interesting to watch. So, you know, I, I, try to watch the KBO games every once in a while. Um, you know, the players, um, MLB, the show league was fun for a moment, but that feels like it ended like three months ago. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting, it's getting tough, but it seems like we're getting close to some sort of resolution. So, uh, it seems like the players union and the owners, um, are currently at a standstill, but, you know, I think, um, the vibe is that um, it's getting pretty optimistic and that they will reach a deal at some point, whatever that looks like. Um, But how optimistic are you that that something will get done?
1: You know, I'm I'm pretty optimistic that something will be done. And I've been optimistic kind of since the beginning that something will be done. Um, Granted, it's probably not going to be baseball we're used to. It's probably not going to be the timeline we're used to, you know, so I was always optimistic that something was going to happen. Um, you know, and I came on here the last time before, and I actually shot you a text when this all kind of started coming up, and I was like, hey, remember who said 4th of July 1st? <laughs> and, 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 and now, that's, that's kind of what they're looking for. I'm still optimistic that that will be the day, and that will be the time when they're going to start playing, but part of me right. is also kind of hesitant, because it's like, ah, there's so much to me, and so many more obstacles in the way to getting this thing done and getting going because not only do you have to think about the opening day uh fourth of july date but now you also have to kind of backtrack a little bit and see okay well that means they have to start by this date in june to get like you know their spring training 2.0 was what they're calling it going right. and now where we are in, in may you know the mid to late part of may it's like well time is ticking and you, and you they're going to have to start making some big decisions on some really big um issues soon and, and and that part of it to me it makes it kind of like oh uh, i don't know if that fourth of july date still going to hold the fandomies still hope it does but i still think at some point we will see um major league baseball in some form uh this year
0: yeah and then where do you stand because you know a lot of uh, this has kind of divided a lot of fans you know a lot of fans are kind of on the side of the owners saying like oh come on players like why can't you just do this and even a lot of ex-players have been pretty vocal like i know a rod has come out and been like you know Players need to kind of just, you know, basically suck it up and just just give what the American people want, whereas a lot of people have been siding on the player side and being like, you know, players are just employees, and if the owners are going to kind of like stick them like this, it's kind of messed up. Um I don't know it's kind of hard for me to kind of like side with either one at this point. Um I just kind of want to want to see them reach a deal that's kind of fair for both sides. I'm not really kind of saying like oh the owners are the enemy or oh the players are the enemy. I just kind of want to see them strike a deal. Kind of where are you leaning towards in that dynamic?
1: Yeah, I'm very much on the player side of it. Just kind of the aspect of like I understand that no not a normal fan is going to be able to um you know, kind of see both the guys both sides view because, you know, we're the normal guy and and kinda of like a lot of people are saying it's it's the billionaires versus the millionaires. And a lot of us can't, you know, understand that. But as far as, you know, the players, ex players, I mean, talking, it's like to share I'm like, come on, guy, like, look how much money you <laughs> made. And you were the most pro union dude when you were, you know, out there and playing baseball. And right. now all of a sudden because you work for ESPN and now your station is dependent on getting these games going. Now, of course, you're going to say get out there and play because, you know, and in his way, his job's at stake now, too, because guess what? If they don't have baseball games to play, what is he going to do? So it's like he's almost on the player's side, but not really because he needs this thing to keep on going so he gets, gets, you know, paid. And as far as A-Rod, you know, there was reports out there before all this happened that him and J-Lo and, uh, JP Morgan, were trying to go in and buy a, 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 like 80% of the Mets because it was on sale. Right. So obviously he wants to get on the owner's good side because if down the line, if he ever is in a position to buy a team, he needs that owner's approval. So he does. The last thing he wants to do is during this real tough time, you know, piss off some owners. And so when it comes down to him buying a team, they're going to be like, no, nah, it's cool. We'll go on to the next guy. So, you know. I understand what they're saying It's like, you should do this, but it's like, if you look a little bit deeper, they all have their alternative motives, which is no different than the owners or the players. So it's kind of like, it's one big cluster when you look at it, but I I am very much on the player side because, you know, owners, you know, there's been years, I'm sure there's been plenty of years where the owners have made more money than they were already kind of scheduled to throughout the season, whether the team got on a, a, a hot streak, What you know. Maybe the advertisement money was a little bit more than they originally initiated thought. But they never kicked any of that money down to the players. So, you know, they they get all the good when it's you know good, but they can't seem to handle the bad when it's bad. So to me, it's like, you know, owners, it sucks. You're going to have to bite the bullet on this one. Hopefully they can make up some of the money down the line with whatever. But, you know, right. for them to, to come back after their initial agreement in March... Where the players already agree to take, you know, a uh, a, a big cut because, you know, um, they're going to prorate their contract. So if there's 50% of the season, they get 50% of the pay. If there's 60% of the season, 60% of the pay and all that stuff. But to go back and, and try to cut that even more, I think it's kind of like, you know, as a guy that's part of a union, obviously not the MLB union, but part of a union. Right that's kind of like, no, dude, Like I wouldn't feel good about that at all either if my employer is saying, yeah, we can have you back to work, but we're going to take your hours and we're going to cut a little bit off your uh, per hour rate. And I'll be like, wait, what's going on? So when I look at it like that, right. I, I think that the owners are way out of hand and just like, hey, you had a deal. Hold on to the deal. Yeah, it's going to suck for this year. But all these billionaires are billionaires for a reason. I'm sure they can find ways to get you know money back throughout the next you know, 5, 10 years to, to kind of uh, make up for it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. I mean, um, Blake Snell kind of sounded off, uh, I think it was a week ago now, uh, during a Twitch, uh, live stream, it was kind of funny that he was, he used that, that, that platform to kind of, uh, kind of go off. But basically he was saying that, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't about to kind of like take a pay cut, um, and kind of inherit, uh, sorry, inherit all the risk of playing during a pandemic, you know, because they're taking a pay cut and they're inheriting kind of a health risk by doing it. So um, I think that kind of made it very clear-cut in terms of like what the players feel. Uh, maybe some of the players feel, some of them don't feel that way. But um, that gave us kind of a good barometer in terms of kind of what, what is being felt out there. Yeah. So in, in terms of... Go ahead.
1: No, and, and that's kind of part of it, too, where I side with the players is, you know, the owners are losing money, great, but when this thing does get going, if if individual owners don't feel comfortable being in that kind of situation. They're going to go watch the games at home, you know, with their family and all that stuff. They're not going to right. be out there on the field. So that's another thing where he said, and, and that whole, uh, you know, uh, monologue he put out there on Twitch, you know, it was kind of funny because the way he was saying it, you were kind of like, oh, dude, that sounds really bad. But the, when you get into like, <laughs> the details of it, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, he makes sense. Like there's, there's no reason for – Anyone to get be put in a situation they don't feel comfortable if they don't feel like they're getting compensated enough Which is to me that I think that's the biggest thing is is what's the compensation gonna be? You know, everyone has a price everyone has what they feel is is right in, to put themselves in a situation and and on our podcast uh, When we talked about this I used to kind of like when I was you know Growing up when you were a kid or you know uh, late teenagers early 20s when a buddy would say hey I dare you to go do this this, and this you know nine times out of ten my next response was well how much you know, right, everyone has right. a price. Everyone has a price. Everyone has an idea. And it's like, if the player's price is what they already agreed upon, which is, again, kind of crazy that they already agreed upon it, if that's what their price is, I don't see why the owners need to try to kind of weasel and try to get more off of it because of, uh, you know, because they're having one bad year.
0: Yeah. 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 No, you, you're, you're totally right. So getting into kind of more of the details about, um, what the the season will look like what MLB would look like um there's kind of uh, in the initial proposal there was the thought of uh aligning the six divisions into uh three divisions based on region so you'd have kind of the west the central and the east um since you're the host of the all angels podcast how do you think um aligning a western division kind of affects or doesn't affect the angels now That said, um, the play it seems like the postseason pool uh does increase to 14 teams. So, but that being all said, what how do you think that affects the angels that they would have to play the dodgers, d backs, giants, um, and kind of those some of those better nls teams?
1: You know, I as looking at like a a possible schedule, yeah, I think it would be harder. I do, especially like you said, the dodgers, the d backs, Padres are up and coming. That's another team that, um, Sooner or later, you feel it's going to break out. And if it's this year with the modified divisions, it's definitely going to uh, hurt uh, the Angels. But then you still have the guys that you're normally playing against, like the Astros, the A's, and, and you know Texas Rangers, if they can come up and, and, and make some moves. But, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it'll be harder if this is the division way they're, or the way they're going to go with the divisions. As a fan of the Angels, I'm really going to dig it because now I can see the Dodgers and the Angels play, you yeah. know, yeah whatever it's going to be <laughs> 10 to 12 times a year depending on how they do the schedule like to me that's the cool part cuz now instead of me talking to my buddy you know four or five times a year when they play now it's like hey we have a series coming up hey we have another series coming up hey there's another one at the end you know so i think as a fan that's really cool and i got family down in san diego so then again that kind of just i could talk to them about hey the angels padre games coming up and then you know by then who knows maybe families can get together and we can do something like that and watch it where normally these teams play each other. I mean, besides the Angels and the Dodgers, but I'm talking more so like the San Diego Padres, they play each other, what, like once every like four or five years. And, and and it's real cool when it happens. It's just, you know, as a fan to get these divisions by region, I think is really cool because right. you know outside of like the big teams, like New York and Boston, like I don't have many friends that are other MLB Fans of other teams, you know, so like I have a lot of Dodger fans, I have a lot of San Diego fans that are friends, so it'd be cool to kind of talk and, and just kind of do the whole thing you do with friends. You talk to BS and hype up this and just all that, so right. that'll be really, really cool.
0: Yeah, totally. I think it's gonna be, um, you know, I, th- I think this season, kind of as a side note, I think this season is gonna be a huge opportunity for MLB, uh, moving forward to kind of see what works and see what doesn't work because you know, even before this coronavirus. MLB was kind of at a turning point. They wanted to uh, increase the kind of likability of the game amongst younger younger people. Uh, they wanted to speed up the game. So I feel like a lot of these changes, um, you know, are going to be good. This is going to be a good test season to say after the season, okay, let's go through the checklist. Did, you know, what was the fan reaction to these three, just like right. the, the merge of the divisions? What was the fan reaction to the Universal DH? And I think um, it's going to really open people's eyes and open the, hopefully, open the league's eyes up to saying, okay, let's go ahead and make these changes. These really worked. These actually got good engagement from like non-fans or kind of fans that are kind of on the periphery. Um, speaking to the to the divisions, I think that the Eastern division is going to be an absolute just gauntlet, <laughs> just, yeah. just, a, just a free-for-all. Um, and I, I kind of tweeted this out earlier in the week talking about the Braves. I think the Braves saw that they might have kind of a not an easy path path in the NL East. Obviously, the Phillies, you know, you think they got a little bit better. The Mets, you know, obviously are going to be without Syndergaard. But you kind of felt like the Braves kind of had that division still as as theirs to kind of lose. But now it's like you throw the Braves in there with the with the um, with the Red Sox, with the Yankees, with the Rays. Um, you know, the Blue Jays are going to be a lot better with that young kind of younger core that they have. Um, and it's just going to be like it's going to be really crazy uh, to watch that go down.
1: Yeah, and not to mention, too, the uh, World Series champs are still in the East. So, I mean, obviously the Braves right. are used to start dealing with them, but now it's just another team you have to deal with. But, yeah, playing especially the Bostons and, and, and the um, New York Yankees, I mean, that's a team that you probably thought, oh, now I'm good. I'll, we won't see them. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're on your schedule a handful <laughs> of times. And now, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. And, and I think the East is a very good team. It's going to be a very good uh, uh division to watch because I think there's it could be a lot of movement as far as one week this team sure. looks like it's the hot team, and then maybe the next week another team looks like it's going to be the hot team, and it can have a lot of uh, back and forth throughout
0: right. uh, what's
1: going to be what's going to be an abbreviated season. I think that's obviously going to be it. So, kind of like what we talked about last time, was you know, now these games are going to mean more. You know, these four game series, you know, uh, Atlanta versus the Yankees are going to mean a lot more than you know, Atlanta versus. Um, whatever the, the the Mets were gonna be if the season was normal. So it's gonna be yeah. a lot of interesting baseball. A lot of I think a more um competitive baseball, if that makes sense. Because now people are kind of hold back a little bit because you know it's a, the old saying it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Now it's gonna be a sprint. Now everyone has to go because their pitch count. Obviously, I, no one's gonna get in the 200 pitch uh innings pitched uh, range at all this year. So now you maybe you 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 tend to go a little harder, go a little longer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the simulated or the the abbreviated season is going to affect stuff like that, people's efforts um, day in and day out basis.
0: Right. The thing I think that people aren't really talking about is I feel kind of bad for the teams that are kind of... um in kind of rebuild mode you know you look at the tigers um you look at the miami uh sorry the yeah the miami marlins uh i've almost called them the Florida florida marlins um yeah but you look at teams like that that are kind of in rebuild mode and they're kind of like barely getting some of the prospects up you know a lot of these teams would want kind of a full 162 game season to kind of see what they have and i feel like maybe with a shortened season they might think that like hmm like we still don't really know what we have with like a certain player or, or or or, you know, know what this pitcher can maybe give us in the future or kind of it's it, to me, it's kind of a wash for, for a lot of these teams that are rebuilding. But on the other but on the other end, now that you've kind of expanded the playoff pool, you know, maybe it's possible that a sneaky team, get, you know, gets into the playoffs, a team right. that was supposed to be rebuilding.
1: And, and that's the thing, too, about the playoffs in general is just once you get in you have a hot week, which any team, regardless of kind of their, how they're built, each team, every team is, is capable of having a hot week. You get a hot week in the playoffs, that can you can go a lot further than you probably originally thought. A team that might have just snuck into the playoffs, if they have a hot week, now they're competing in that second round, you know, and they're pushing a team that might, you know, thought it might have been a cakewalk. Now they're pushing them to like a seventh game, and now that team's pitching rotations all jacked up for the next round. And now that kind of has a domino effect going going uh, deeper into the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, the expanded playoffs is going to be exciting because now some teams that were on the fringe, and the Angels could are very easily one of those teams where right. coming into the season, people thought like, you know what, if this goes right and this goes right, they can definitely get in there in a wild card spot. Now, you know, obviously – with the shortened season, they get hot a couple times. they are very, there's a very good chance they can be in the playoffs. And then when you have a a Trout, Rendon, um, you know, if Upton kind of comes back from you know his health and and Otani coming back, you know, that's a very dangerous lineup in any form, and especially in a playoff where it's you know you see the same relievers over and over again, and, and you t- you can kind of try to get you know um, pick up on certain things. So as an Angel fan. Uh, That's going to be really interesting to see, you know, once it does get to the playoffs, if they do get in, how that's going to affect how their offense is going to perform in the postseason.
0: Right. So speaking to that more um, in terms of a universal DH, um, you know, this is something that I thought that, you know, MLB kind of needs to adopt um, kind of for a long time now. And I'm kind of all for it. Um, I know that a lot of National League fans—I mean, I have a few uh, fans— uh, I have a few buddies that are Dodger fans, and they're kind of still all about kind of the strategy and the, the you know, the the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on in a league without the DH. But where where do you stand on it?
1: I am I'm pro-Universal DH, and I understand a lot of the NL fans that um, like the strategy and like the whole thought process behind it. But another part of me is thinking—and you kind of referenced, referenced earlier— about trying to get other younger people in the game. And if you're trying to get new people in the game, they're not going to be able to get that strategy aspect of it right away. They're not going to be able to get the strategy. Why why are you double-switched? What is a double switch? Like, that kind of stuff isn't, you know, no one's coming to the game. No one's, you know, I I like to think about it. When I go to a ballpark and I have to make a decision because I like to watch the whole game, I got to make a decision. When do I get up and go to the restroom? When do I get up and go get another beer? When do I get up and go get, like, another hot dog? So, I no point have I ever been like, oh, I got to wait this half inning because the pitcher's coming up. Right. You know? So it's like, go ahead.
0: No. Yeah. No, no, you can, you can keep going.
1: Yeah. So it's just, you know, no one's ever said, Hey, I got to stay in my seat because the pitcher's up the bat second in this inning. So, (laughs) you know, I just think it'll, it'll help grow the fan base because, you know, more offensive, uh, output, um, help the, help the players union, get more jobs. I mean, now you have, you can extend great players careers for, you know, another, you know, four or five years. I mean, look at Albert, you know, if, if there was right. no DH in either league, say in an alternate universe, there was no DH at all. There's a very good chance that he wouldn't be on a MLB roster right now because, you know, he can't play first base a full season. You know, you, you're lucky you have the DH where you can put him there 80% of the time. And he does perfectly fine, you know, um, health wise there. But if, if he was still in St. Louis, would he even be able to get on the field at all? So, again, it, it prolongs great players' careers. It gives more jobs out to, to, the, to the players. And I just think it's a more exciting type of baseball. And, and if you're trying to get new fans, not all the fans are going to be able to get the little nuances of double switches and, and pitch hitters and the time right. and place to do it.
0: Yeah. And I think I think, you know, it's it's key for for bringing in newer fans, too, because, um, you know, it kind of cleans up the rules of the sport, you know, because if you were to introduce it to somebody and be like, OK, well, the National League, they play a little differently than the American League does. And then they're gonna right. be like, OK, well, well, why? Why do they play differently? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Why aren't the rules the same in both leagues? Like, I don't understand. So I think it just makes it a cleaner product um, to, to, to do that. Um, and, and just makes it easier to to kind of understand, you know, because baseball is kind of a difficult sport to understand in the right. first place. So the more kind of access, easier access you can give to kind of newer newer fans or the younger demographic, I think is definitely um, definitely better.
1: And can you imagine if, if, if in the NBA that the West Conf the Western Conference had a three pointer, but the Eastern Conference didn't? <laughs> you know, and then depending on yeah. what floor you're on, that's the rules you play on. So it's like <laughs> Steph Curry and, and Golden State go play Boston, and next thing you know, all their shots are just worth two, no matter where they're shooting, and that just changes the whole aspect of the game, and I right. just find it, and I've always found it weird, it's like, you're just playing two different games, and you're kind of merging it into one, but it's like, or you know, football, you know, you, uh, if you play in the NFC, you can't kick field goals, it's like, wait, what's going on? Like, so yeah, yeah it just seems yeah, like yeah, very yeah. a very weird kind of concept that, you know, obviously it's been around forever, and that's why MLB is really slow to change, but hopefully with everything going on, this kind of pushes it forward.
0: Right, right. So the last thing um, kind of in in their new proposal that MLB has kind of um, had out there now for about a week or so um, is regards kind of the safety aspect of of continuing or getting back to playing. Um, They've kind of outlined that they don't want any spitting, licking, any kind of throwing the ball around the infield uh, would be discouraged. Now, kind of my take is that, um, you know, obviously like athletes and especially baseball players are like big creatures of habit. And, you know, you know, a pitcher a lot of times is going to lick his fingers to get a better grip on the ball. Um, you know, so are you going to dispose of that ball every time a pitcher licks his fingers? Um, you know, throwing the ball around the infield is basically part of the routine after an out is recorded. So that's going to be a little kind of difficult to kind of um, navigate. Um, you know, I think they're getting rid of seeds, bubblegum, gum, uh, chewing tobacco, kind of all that general stuff. That stuff seems a little bit more easier to kind of curb. But um, what what do you think in terms of some of these safety guidelines? How do you see do you do you actually see a lot of this stuff happening, or do you think that um, uh, you know we're gonna get what the game looked like kind of beforehand, like the I, same thing?
1: You know, I'm more interested in see okay these rules pass and you can't have sunflower seeds, you can't lick your fingers, you can't do this and that. What's the what's going to be the the like what's going to happen afterwards? Like, are you lick your finger? Okay, cool. Now you get a ball automatically ticked onto your account. Like, what's going to be the punishment? Is it, is it going to be a fine? Is it just going to be a stern talking to kind of deal? Like, I think it's going to right. come down to that more than anything. If it's like, hey, we saw you lick your fingers three times during the game. Okay, here's a fine. Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. See, if if there's just like kind of like a, a wag of the finger, then I think at the beginning of it, because it's kind of new and everyone's going to be looking out for it, you'll see, you know, none of the stuff you were talking about. But then as the season goes on and people get more and more into a routine, I guess probably see more and more of going back to kind of that normal, you know, like you said, these players have been doing this since they were in Little League, you know, whether it's licking the fingers to get maybe a little more extra grip on the ball, whether it's throwing the ball around the diamond after an out, like these guys have been doing it since they were in Little League. And it's kind of at this point, I would think this muscle memory, you get the ball after an out and then you already have your arm back ready to toss. it. now you're going to have to tell them, hey, you can't. It, it's To me, it's just kind of, I see why they're doing it. It's a great look for the public to see, like, hey, they're trying to make a stand. or trying to make it you know, safer. But at the end of the day, I'm just thinking, like, I, I don't know how much more safer it is not having that stuff included, especially the stuff on the field, licking the ball, uh, tossing the ball around. It's kind of like one of those things. And I, I don't know if you are, but, a, a, you know, UFC obviously just had a handful of events throughout right. a week. And those dudes are sweating on top of each other. You know what I mean? So it's like... Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, it's, it's if everybody at... You know, and I don't think they've come out yet as far as what their testing policy is going to be. But if everyone gets tested on a Tuesday, everyone passes, and there's a game on Wednesday, then what's the what's the fear of licking a ball and throwing it if everyone on the field is tested negative? Is
0: tested, right. Right. I think then, that's... yeah.
1: So that's my biggest question is like, okay, well, if you're going to test these guys, which I think that's probably number one on before you make any of these kind of restrictions, that's probably the testing should be the number one priority. And if everyone on the field, umpires included, tests negative, then there shouldn't be an issue of what they're licking or what they're high fiving or what they're, you know, hugging or whatever. You know, that shouldn't be an issue if everyone tests is negative.
0: Right. No, I, I agree. I think as long as the testing is in place, I don't think there's any reason why. They shouldn't be able to do some of these things. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I think I think as 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 we get closer to the season and I think as kind of the numbers in the country kind of continue to kind of go down, hopefully, I feel like a lot of these restrictions players. are. I think I think players are going to start to feel more comfortable. Um, they're going to realize that, OK, maybe this is on the downslide. Um, you know, we have testing in place. OK, I feel I definitely feel safer. So, you know, let's let's go ahead and, and throw the ball around the infield after now. I don't think I don't think that's going to be a big a big issue um so a side note that came up uh, recently so the armando galarraga uh, near perfect game that happened in 2010 <laughs> um i believe galarraga and the umpire who blew the call at first base uh, jim joyce are asking mlb to take a look at potentially altering uh his his missed call uh back in 2010 now this was the last out um, of a perfect game attempt. Uh, Galarraga went to go cover the bag at first. Um, you know he was he definitely uh, uh, was there before the runner got there. He was def- the runner was definitely out. Um, now I think that I'm kind of for overturning this, but only because it was the last out of the game. Um, I think if you start overturning calls that were made in like the fifth or sixth inning or kind of even earlier in the ninth inning anything before the last out i think that's kind of a slippery slope because then you say okay well let's go back to this game in 1997 this call that was missed now the yankees aren't world now the marlins aren't world series champions or something like that you know so i think it's a slippery slope but i think in this case uh i would i would make an exception
1: yeah I mean, like you said, it's the last out, so there was nothing going to happen afterwards because, like you said, there's no that there's none that what if like the next guy gets on base or whatever. But, you know, I I, I saw that too, and I was just kind of like, man, it seems like so long ago that that happened. And then, I start thinking to myself, what you know, obviously Galarraga didn't have a career that will stand by itself. Like he's always going to be known right. as the guy that almost got the perfect game, and I understand. That's probably why he wants to get it turned over to being a perfect game. I mean, there's only been 23 perfect games to this point in Major League Baseball, and I would make the argument that he might be actually more famous for that miscall call of a perfect game than he would be if he just kind of got grouped into what would have been, he would have been like the 24th. So right. in my eyes, I'm like, dude, you have a thing where it's like, yeah, I almost <laughs> got it, but it should have had, like, who else can say that? Like, honestly, granted, a perfect game is a perfect game, but it's kind of like, Hey, if you kind of, and at the time he did, he, he, he understood it. He was very cool about it and no hard feelings. And it was like, dude looks great. Dude, like could have been really pissed. Could have done this, could have done that, could have said anything and everything, but he was very respectful and understood the situation. And now it's like, he wants his perfect game, but it's like, you're famous for not having a perfect, you're more famous for not having a perfect game than maybe. And if you did. Than if you did, you know? And then besides like the perfect games thrown in the postseason, you know, you could probably have the, most you know the the best story of a perfect game that wasn't a perfect game more so than these perfect games so it's just to me it's like i don't know i i understand yeah, you I want don't know perfect if, game I, but like the fame wise yeah. i'm like you kind of might be more famous for what had <laughs> happened than if you overturn it 10 years later like okay it gets overturned but is anyone gonna really care about it like people know who right. you are because of that
0: yeah and I, I don't know if he's doing it maybe to kind of like you know uh make himself more viable for like um for like conventions or like autograph conventions or something like that but to me you're right like the fact that he was like the missed perfect game or the near perfect game guy makes him more appealing for like those those kind of like conventions or if he's trying to make money off of off of something you know and like him and if 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 they had a good publicist, you know, him and uh, Jim Joyce, I believe, who's the umpire, yep. they would do, like, signings together or something, you know? <laughs> be,
1: and sign the picture. Sign the picture of him on the base uh, with the right. guy nowhere near it and him calling him safe. And, and yeah, I mean, and even, too, if you want to go, like, the public speaking route, you can go about talking about how, you know, and he, he did. Like, he could probably put on a clinic about how to handle PR in that situation because going back to to that time... You know, he didn't say anything bad. He was very uh, apologetic, and, you know, he felt sorry for Jim Joyce because he, you know, was in that situation, and he was getting death threats, and he was, you know, people were coming after the umpire, and then just, I believe it was the next game that he was umpire. maybe the next day or the next time Jim Joyce was an ump- uh, umpire at, at a Tiger game, you know, right. Galarraga came out and exchanged the, the lineup card to kind of, right. like, you know, bury the hatchet, and they, you know, so yeah, it's just so weird to come up ten, 10, years later. And if this was something that happened, you know, two or three years later, then okay. Yeah. Cause it's still kind of fresh and, yeah, you know, but like 10 years later, it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. I think I like it better with them being that almost perfect game.
0: Right. Agreed. Agreed. So tell me what you guys have going on. Uh, you and Johnny over at the all angels podcast, tell me what kind of um, stuff you got going on with content and, and all that stuff as we kind of hopefully get close to a season.
1: Yeah, so obviously we're kind of in the same boat you are as far as trying to find content wherever we can. And this proposal is a a good starting point. So we talked about that in our latest one. Um, You know, we're still always trying to out there to try and find interviews with people uh, connected to Angels Baseball. Uh, For some of you, your listeners, if they go go look us up on All Angels Podcast, it's on, you know, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast if you go back a couple of weeks, we actually did an interview which I had a lot of fun doing with uh, Sonia Marsh, which is the mother of Angels number two prospect Brandon Marsh for like a Mother's Day um, special, if you will. and that was really cool to hear you know her side of the story because we've talked to Brandon a handful of times and he's always like, oh yeah, it was cool. yeah you know I did this, no big deal but to hear from like the mother's side where she's going through everything at the same time he is, whether it's the recruiting, the drafting the you know, playing in a a different city, she's going through it just as much as he is. And to kind of hear her side of it was really, really cool. And I I enjoy doing that. So we're always trying to find stuff like that, where it's not always baseball on the field or baseball in the negotiation table, like kind of like more like people's kind of stories. And so we're always trying to reach out, do that. We're always reaching out to, um, you know, uh, baseball writers that have them on. So we're just always trying to find content wherever we can. But again, you can find us anywhere you, you, uh, download podcasts on whether it's iOS and Apple podcasts or Spotify or iHeartRadio.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely, a, an Angels podcast to look out for for all those, uh, Angels fans that are checking in with us. Um, you know, you guys have a lot of actually great kind of, um, interviews with kind of, uh, like Gubaza and I think right. you've had Victor, Ro- Victor Rojas on, Um, yeah, and you guys get kind of the minor league guys like Brandon Marsh in, uh, pretty often. So that's always great to kind of, to kind of check in on. All right, Daniel. Well, uh, thanks again for joining. Um, hope to have you on, uh, as we get sooner to a start of a season here and, and we'll talk about, uh, what to expect as, as we kind of get more details sorted out here.
1: Definitely, man. I, I enjoy it every single time I'm on. I love talking baseball. And then, you know, with the quarantine, I can talk to someone else besides my wife about it. And she's happy about that too. (laughs)
0: perfect all right daniel take care all right man you too great stuff there from daniel garcia as always he's always a nice frequent guest of the podcast and be sure to go check out the all angels podcast for those angel fans out there so that'll do it for today. Thanks again for listening to Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at ChewingCast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Big League Chewing. And I will see you guys very soon.